0: Welcome to the 1,000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Yurich. I am the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside, and I'm thrilled today to be with the founder of a movement I have been following for a very long time um, called Wait Until
1: 8th. Brooke Shannon, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's so good to connect with you and your community and, you know, Likewise have been following your, your movement as well. and I, I love it. I think the more time kids spend outside being kids, the better they're going to be um, during their childhood and adulthood as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the longer we wait for smartphones, uh, the better they're going to be as well. Absolutely. Uh, let, me, let me read a little bit of your bio. Brooke <laughs> Shannon is the founder and executive director of Wait Until Eighth. The Wait Until Eighth pledge empowers parents to rally together to delay giving children a smartphone until at least eighth grade. Brooke works with parents and communities across the country to help families establish a healthy relationship with technology. She is a national speaker on how to parent in the digital arena and has given keynotes to the American Enterprise Institute and numerous schools and churches. Brooke also is a resource to the media. She's appeared on the Today Show, Good Morning America, NBC National News, NPR, CNN Headline News, um, and close to 40,000 families from across the country have taken the Wait Until Eighth Pledge, and numerous media outlets have featured the pledge as well. Brooke has a Master's in Integrated Marketing Communications from Northwestern, a B.A. in Political Science and Communications from University of Miami. That mm-hmm. sounds great. <laughs> um, and you live in Austin. We actually were just in Austin with your husband and three daughters. It's like bluebell season there.
1: Yes, it's a beautiful time of year here. For sure.
0: Yeah, that was really cool to see all that. So so Brooke, get, tell us your story. How did you end up um, as founding Wait Until 8th? Where did the idea come from? When did you start it?
1: Sure. So about five years ago at the time, my daughters were in third grade second grade and preschool, and believe it or not, they already had friends with the latest iPhones, and the pressure was on, and the campaign started about when they were going to get a phone themselves, and I didn't really know much about it. I hadn't thought too much about it. It seemed um, in my gut a little too young to introduce these devices to um, such a young hands. So I just kept saying, not yet, we're gonna hold off on that. Um, but they would, you know, ask every so often. And then one day I was driving by my local middle school that my girls would one day go to that they're actually are at now. And what I noticed when kids were pouring out at the school building was that there were so many heads down. I mean, kids were just completely captivated by what was going on online. And they weren't interacting with each other. They weren't observing the world around them. And as a mom, it made me sad to think that that was the road ahead for my kids. They were either going to be one of the ones with their heads down or one of the ones that had their heads up. And there wouldn't be anybody else with their heads up for them to talk to. And so I just wanted it to look different for my kids. And so that night I... um, Emailed a group of parents from my um, local elementary school just to see what they were thinking. And what I kept hearing from parents was that they wanted to wait, but that eventually the pressure got to be too much. And it felt like all the kids had them and you didn't want your kid to be left out. Um, and so that was like one of the main reasons why parents were giving these phones earlier and earlier in childhood. But out of this conversation came the idea, well, what if there wasn't pressure to have them? Like, What if other people were waiting? What if we were saying not yet together? And so that's really how the pledge started. Um, I did some research to see what experts were saying as far as what's a good age direct to start this technology. And what I found was that most experts were saying somewhere between 14 and 16 is an ideal age. Pediatricians were saying that, child psychologists, um, even technology executives, the the guys that make all of this stuff, what they do in their own home is they don't introduce this technology until around 16. Um, In our local community, 16, it would have been hard to get a lot of community support to hold off till 16. We had kids as young as first, second, third grade with the latest iPhone. So we landed on 14, which is about eighth grade. And it seemed like a good line in the sand to rally people to hold off until it got them through all of elementary school, most of middle school, and for those families that wanted to transition before high school, they could. And that's really how it started. And it was really just supposed to be a local grassroots um, campaign. And um, I just built a website to make it easy for people to sign and for us to get organized. And then within a matter of a couple of months, it had spread across the country and got some great press coverage and... Um, yeah, it's just grown from there. And I think it resonates with so many moms and dads, because we're all having the struggle in our own homes, we're all having our kids ask us for these devices, and they're, they are everywhere. And they are so much, unfortunately, a part of childhood right now. So to give parents a resource to, to hold off on this, I think is really helpful. And it's helped parents to, to delay not only smartphones, but social media, and it just slows everything down and helps our kids be kids a little longer.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, So we're a home educating family. Um, And the pressure is not there. Um, And so the kids don't ask for it. And it's an interesting thing that it's really only coming from peer pressure. That's sort of where it's coming from. And so like what you're saying is, if there's a small group of kids that don't have it, um, Mm -hmm. you know, then the peer pressure alleviates. And that really helps everyone out um, because that's really layered. But we we did have an experience um, when... Our oldest daughter was in the fourth grade and she did a local basketball team. And, you know, they got there early one day for pictures or something. And, and kind of like what you said about the middle school, it was like all of the kids were on their phones, all the girls on her team, and she had nothing to do. So yeah. she, she was like isolated. And I just, um, how it's really hard to see, uh, for me as a mom, I actually cried about it, yes. you know, cause she's in fourth grade. And, and yeah. so I could just see how it would be so hard for your kid to be one of the only ones, one of, you know, a few handfuls. So this is just such a powerful thing that you're doing, um, by bringing these families together, um, and everyone makes the same decision. And then the kids, because I don't think they really, I think my point about it coming from peer pressure is they don't really care, except that everyone else has it. Absolutely. Right. You know, they don't really feel, I don't, I don't think they really feel a genuine need for it, you know, except that you don't want to be the only one without, or you don't want to be the only one, you know, it's like when we were kids, you don't want to be the only one that didn't watch the show or, you know, what everyone's talking about. You don't want to be left out.
1: For sure. And if you can just link arms, even if it's just with a handful of other families that hold off together, it makes it yes. a big difference for your kids, just yes. knowing that they're not the only one and that they will have somebody to talk to on the bus ride to the basketball game, or they will yeah. have somebody to talk to while they're waiting for mom to pick them up from an activity, whatever it may be. And I think that makes a big difference for our kids.
0: Huge difference. So mm-hmm. I like how you guys work it. So you take the pledge, Um, You can go to your website um, and take the pledge and then you're waiting until that child's grade level in their school has 10 other families. So then you know you have this cohort, right?
1: Yeah. So we're trying to use group momentum for good because there are so many parents out there that would say, that say like, yes, I would love to wait as long as I know other people are waiting too. Like, but there's almost a hesitation to commit to it unless they know other people are going to hold off as well. So that's why we set it up that way. And yes, you just go to waituntil8th.org, you sign the pledge. And then once there's 10 families in your child's grade that have signed Then we notify um, those families and let them know that the pledge is active and these are the other families that are waiting with you. And that really helps because then you can specifically say to your kid, well, you're waiting, but so is. Sydney and so is Tyler. And you can have those conversations. And we've had some communities um, that have gotten together um, after they've had an active pledge and they get together as families and they have discussions and they have book discussions and they take it further and they also like advocate for smart use of technology in their schools together. And so it's just a good way to find your tribe um, of people on this issue. And um, it's a great way to connect with other families and to hold off on this together.
0: Well, that's a brilliant Brooke, because then those kids and they would already have stronger connections too, because maybe they're not in the same class, you know, maybe they're in the same grade, but they're not in the same class. Mm -hmm. So that's a way for those families to make sure that those kids are getting to know each other. um, And they have these bonds. I I bet you never expected any of that.
1: No, I did It's been just something that is one idea that just grown. And I just think that there's such power in community and there's such power for people coming together and, um yeah it's really just all these pockets of parents across the country that are making this decision and it's making a big impact on kids and when we hear from families that have held off I just heard from a mom the other day their daughter's in seventh grade and they took the pledge when she was in third grade and she was just saying what a difference it has made to have a group of kids waiting and they're so glad that they hold held off and so my hope is that more families would just know that we're out here that we are a resource and it would empower more families to hold off because it does make such a big difference and when i think when i first started the pledge my main reason for wanting to hold off was just i was concerned about how much time was spent on these devices you know kids were spending anywhere between three and eight hours a day on entertainment consumption you know instagramming snapchatting youtubing instead of going outside, instead of reading books, right. instead of hanging out with friends and family in person. So that was really my concern. And it's still a huge concern of mine. But also when I look back and over the past five years, my daughter at the time was in third grade and most of her peers got a smartphone the following year in fourth grade. That's about 10 years old. That's the average age. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be 15 this summer. She's gonna going to go in high school. We decided to hold off one more year and wait until high school. Um, but when I think about the five years that we've had, it's so important to have those that time to really instruct and equip your child for what they will encounter when they eventually are online. And the conversations that we've had in those five years, there's no way I could have had those conversations when she was eight, nine, and ten years old. She just wasn't ready for some of those topics we've, we've covered. Right. If that makes sense. And so I'm I'm so thankful that we've had this time together as a family to really prepare her for, for having this technology when she has it next year.
0: Wow. I've actually never heard anybody say that, Brooke, that they're not even developmentally ready to have the conversations that you need to have, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe about pornography or um, about cyberbullying or those types of things, or maybe even to understand the addiction component. Um, And so if they're not developmentally ready to even have the conversation, then you're really in a hard spot.
1: Yes and we've just we've had so many different conversations over the years about you know even situations with their own peers at their school there was a situation in our school district back in the fall where a 13-year-old boy was um, snapchatting with somebody he thought he was snapchatting with a girl and they had exchanged nude pictures turns out the person was really somebody in Brazil and he started mailing this little boy for money and it just turned into a big ordeal. Thankfully, this boy got help and told a counselor about it, and authorities got involved. But there's other stories like this where they feel like there's nowhere to turn and they turn to self-harm or they take their own lives. And it's it's heavy stuff that's going on out there. Yeah. And it's not something I feel ready to talk to my nine-year-old about. Right. And so if I'm not ready to have those conversations yet with my young children they're not ready for a smartphone. You know what I mean? They're just not right. ready to, to encounter right. that world yet. Um, but at the same time, we also have to equip our children and not keep them in a bubble. We do have to talk about what's going on. And so that's what these past five years have, has allowed yeah. us to do is to have those conversations and to talk about what their peers are experiencing online and wow. in social media and equip them for, for what's ahead. And also what they may encounter when they're not with us, if their friend does have one of these apps, from shows them something. They'll they're prepared to the, to know what to do in those situations.
0: Yeah, that's a really really intriguing point. You know, we have a thirteen year old and a nine year old, and yeah, the things that you talk about are so completely different mm-hmm. um, between the two of them. And so, like you said, that gives you time as a parent to prepare mm-hmm. the ground to give them a foundation for for what's to come. I actually think that's really fascinating. I mean, I used to teach in the schools. I mean, mm-hmm. this was pre smartphone. Um. Uh, this should have been in 2008 and the kids in the seventh grade were having sex and mm-hmm. videotaping on their flip phone and then texting it to all the classmates. And then the police had to get involved. And, um, you know, it's a thing that like they're really young to know the ramifications, I think of things like that and to really understand. Um, and I think the parents were floored. I think they had no idea, no idea. you know, yeah. and you know, that's, that's really tricky. Um a tricky thing to navigate, but, um, you know, if they don't have it, then, then those types of things, um, aren't happening. What, uh, you, you distinct, you have a distinction between a smartphone and, Mm -hmm. um, like a tech wise phone. Can you tell us, tell us the difference?
1: Yes. So the wait until you pledge is you're pledging to hold off on giving your kid a smartphone. Um, and when I first started all of this, there's basically two options out there at the time there was smartphone with an iPhone, or you could do an old school flip phone. Um, and we thought that allowing flip phones be would, would, a good um, solution for those families that do feel like they need to get in touch before eighth grade. So whether that's a divorced home situation or a situation when there's multiple kids and you're lots of logistics with drop-offs, um, you could yeah, still work, do basic sports, yeah. all that yes, kind or of you stuff. you don't have a home yeah. line, whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and so that was how we built the pledge. Since we started the pledge, though, there have been some tech-wise phone options that have been developed and you know produced by different companies to fill this need. And they were really they're phones that were developed for children. They don't have the internet browser. They don't have the app store. They don't have social media. They don't have games. So there's several of these options listed on our website. There's the Gab phone. There's Pinwheel phone. There's the Light Phone Two phone. Um, There's a few other options out there. And for families who do believe they need to get in touch before eighth grade, that's what we recommend. We recommend a starter phone to consider versus going straight to the smartphone. It's just a lot easier to manage. It's a lot easier to monitor um, and it'll just help your kid not be as distracted by it because there's less stuff to be distracted on. It's more of a communication device.
0: So. Yeah, we um okay, so we we have had the gap phone and I actually, you know, here, you know, when you when you have a social media account, you know, occasionally people send you things and they're like, you know, can you try it out and and talk about it and and you know, it's usually pretty easy. Like we get boots or something, you know, and you're out using them all the time, but we got the gab phone and it just sits on the counter. And yeah. you know, Well, that's really what I want it to do, but I was always never talking about it because it's just sitting on the counter, you know, and yeah. it's used for when you want to communicate with grandma, you know, or you need to text a friend about something or whatever. Um, and that's, I think that's what it's meant. It's not addictive, you yeah. know. Um, and I've even heard people talk about Like they they're getting them for themselves, uh, you know, because then it's not addictive and um and they're not losing all the time themselves to um to the apps and those types of things. Uh, And I talked to the the one of the ladies from Gab her name's Ann McDonald, and she talked about I kind of feel like this relates to what you were talking about how um it's like training wheels for technology. You know, that that maybe it's a good idea to start with something like that, because then it prompts those conversations, Um, Mm -hmm. even the conversations of when do we have it out? When do we not have it out? You know, if we're at dinner or we're with friends, you know, that type of thing. Yes, I mean,
1: it's like, if you like compare it to something like driving, like most reasonable parents wouldn't give their child some fully loaded BMW as their starter car, they just wouldn't do it. They don't, it, it's, they're not ready for that. It's a huge responsibility. It's very expensive. Um, it's better to start off with something really basic and have them learn how to manage that responsibility um, before graduating to something more advanced. With so many possible um, challenges and obstacles. So we absolutely recommend a starter phone at first. And for those parents who've you know crossed that bridge already and they're having regrets for handing over the keys to the to the iPhone, um, I would say to those parents that there are ways to, to make that. A basic device as well. Um, and we have some instructions for that on our website. And you can take off the internet browser on um, smartphones, you can take off access to the app store, you can remove the social media apps, remove the games and, and basically make it where the child can text and call, listen to music, maybe listen to an audible book or something. But there are ways to definitely make a smartphone like a dumb phone, in a sense, um, if you just do those proper parental controls as well.
0: Ah, yeah, that's interesting. Your website has a lot of helpful information. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really neat how you've gone beyond... Um, you've gone beyond just the pledge you know to be this information hub and um, helping parents through a lot of the nuances so one of the things that you talk about is monitoring should parents Mm -hmm. monitor what their children do online is that helicopter parenting and these are all really pertinent questions that everyone is asking and looking for answers for is that invading a child's privacy what do you think about that?
1: So I'd say there's different camps to what people think about monitoring. There's one camp of parents that say like, absolutely, it's crucial to be in the digital arena with your kid. You have to be there. You have to monitor what's going on because they are going to make mistakes and you need to help them course correct and guide them. And I'm 100% in this camp. And There's another camp of parents that agree with that. But when it comes to actually executing that, they just don't have time to do it. it. Life just gets in the way like between work and activities and commitments. They want to monitor, but they don't. And then there's another group of parents that w- would say that it's against um, their private, their, your, it's invasion of privacy. You're not trusting your children. It's wrong to do that. And I absolutely disagree with that. Nothing we do or our children do online is private. And when we tell them and we create this wow. sense of like, they're entitled to privacy online. It's, it's the falsehood. It's not correct. Nothing is private online. And the sooner our children realize it, the better they are going to be for it. Wow. And so I think it's crucial. Like once your children start using devices, whether it be a smartphone, a tablet or a computer that they know that you're monitoring what they're doing, that that's set up front, that it's not a secret, that that's gonna be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different ways that you can monitor. You can do spot checks, you can look through search histories, you can look at their texts, you can, there's services out there as well. There's a service called Bark Technology that can monitor it for you and can send you red flags if there are. But I do think monitoring is important. And I do think that it's gonna look different as your child grows up a bit. And what I like to compare it to is, you know, playing outside. When our kids were little, when they were you know, one, two, and three years old, you would never let them play outside without monitoring them right. at that age. You were there. You are making sure they're not running out to the street. You're making sure they're sharing. You're making sure they're not talking to strangers. You're there. But as they get older, maybe you're coming in and out to check on them. And then eventually my kids will spend hours roaming the neighborhood on their bikes and hanging out with friends at the park. And I'm not concerned about not being there because I've equipped them to handle that responsibility. And they know... What to do in that environment and it's similar to being online and monitoring when your child first starts texting when your first your first your child first starts getting on social media they need you there to monitor and it actually gives them a, an out in a way because if they know that mom is checking their texts they know that mom is looking at their social media it gives them an automatic out when everything's when anything gets a little sticky so if, for example, somebody asking for a nude picture, they can easily say, like, hey, that's not cool. Like my mom checks my text. Or yeah. if a group te- text is starting to go south and somebody's beating up on somebody else in this text, it's easy for the kid to be like, hey, guys, my mom monitors my text. Please, let's, let's chill out or whatever it may be. But it just gives them an easy out. And I tell my kids that all the time. You can throw me on the bus any day you want. Like I am your excuse. I am your out. And that's yeah. helpful. It's, it's helpful. Yeah. It's to have that accountability, to have that transparency. Um, and I think if you just upfront about it monitoring, it just, it's great for your family. It goes a long way. So. yeah,
0: I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give a G one a try. Not only does a G one deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit. That's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids every day. AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 Travel Packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit betterhelp.com slash 1000hours to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, hel com/slash slash 1000hours. That's really neat. Um, well, I like what you said about nothing we do online is private. I think you got, you have a lot of wisdom. Like you've really, um, given parents just a lot of resources. Um, it's neat how in the last five years, like you said, a lot has changed in terms of options for families. Like there are these tech wise, um, options and there are these parental control, um, or bar, I think you said bark, you know, that, that does it for you. Um, and then parental controls, I think those have come about, and and there probably are some good options as well. What about parental controls and, and safety on smartphones and on tablets even? Uh, what, what are some of the things that you recommend?
1: So the good news is that there's so many great organizations out there that have done all this homework for you. And so if you're interested in finding out information on how do I put a parental controls on my kid's iPhone or the iPad or the Xbox... All these organizations such as Protect Young Eyes or Common Sense Media, they've done all that work for you. And all you have to do is go on there and you know, click their guide and figure out how for their, their instructions on how to set it up. So I would definitely recommend Protect Young Eyes. Common Sense Media, media, those are my two go-to sources when I'm trying to figure out how to set something up. Um, We also have some information listed on our website under um, digital training about how to have different things in your house, like on your Wi-Fi, on the device itself. Um, There's so many great ways to keep tech in check. And I think if you just do a little bit of homework on the front end, Uh, It's not as overwhelming as you you think it would be.
0: Yeah. I like
1: you got all these little
0: quips, like wait until eight, tech and check. (laughs) These are great. (laughs) These are great. So when I, uh, when I talked with Ann McDonald from Gab, she told me a story and I'm sure, like I said, you just must have stories pouring in, but she had had one recently where um, there was a, a boy and, and they'd already given the smartphone and. Just felt like it derailed and he had changed into another person, and they were really struggling with it. And so they took it away. And they said, you know, for the first couple of days, it was just mayhem, a lot of tears, um, a lot of issues. But then within a couple of weeks, he was coming to say thank you to them. Mm-hmm. And um, we felt like he'd been given his life back, and um, really had lessened the stress um, on all the peer pressure. Which I can't imagine that peer pressure is coming home with you. You know, I felt like there was a lot of peer pressure in school, but you know, you would leave at three or four, and you'd be done with it for a couple hours. You know, till the next day or for the whole weekend. And mm-hmm. um, but now it comes home with you. So, so do you have some stories or thoughts on? I know you talked about making a smartphone not a smartphone. Um, but are there parents who have who have taken that step backwards and said you know what we're gonna course correct we're gonna wait a little bit longer this didn't really work out do you have do you have stories like that from from families yes we definitely have
1: stories like that because parents do like when they hand over that phone at 10 11 12 13 even 14 there's just some kids that are they're not ready for it and I think yeah. as a parent it's it's okay to change your mind. And I think we should rest in the authority that we have as parents. And we we can change your mind and we can explain to our kid, you know, this isn't working out or I read this and I know more now and our family follows the research and the research is showing this. So we're going to step back from this. Um, I think too often we cross one bridge and we're like, oh, we already said a smartphone was okay. Or we already said Instagram was okay. And you feel like you can't go back and change your mind and you can and that's okay. I think it's just more of having the conversation of why like why are yeah. we changing our mind and having those um explanations with our children versus just saying no more. Um I think yeah. that's crucial but then yeah. I also think what is really important as well is not not only saying no to certain things or we're going to change your mind but what else are we going to do with our time? How are we nurturing life offline? And you know, a lot of what your organization does is, is exactly that. You're, you're filling children's childhoods with beautiful, amazing experiences outside. And when your life is filled with you know, outside time, when your life is filled with music and creativity, and you're doing stuff that's producing joy in life, then there's not as much of a pull towards being right. online all the time. Right. Um, so we, we have to have all the parental controls and we have to have certain boundaries in place. But also as parents, we have to think through how are we cultivating a desire to live life offline as well? And how are we structuring our space in our home that way? How are we structuring our calendar that way? How are we filling our children's childhood with life-giving activities?
0: Yes, and I think that's the piece of it that maybe a lot of us were not prepared for because this is different than yeah. how it used to be um, because there is there are so many things out there that can take time from our children. But when we were kids, it wasn't like that quite as much. And so there wasn't a, we didn't have to, I don't think parents had to fight for it quite as much, the sort of downtime and the, like you said, the music and that type of thing. And it is a lot of work, but, but I think it's good to know ahead of time that this is, um, mm-hmm. This is sort of what's on our plate today. And and like you said, I think if you can band together with these other like-minded families, mm-hmm. you can share the load. You know, if there's 10 people in their your kid's grade that have taken the pledge and you guys can each, um, you know, once a month plan something or once a week or people are having get togethers, that's a really great way Um to infuse life with the really good stuff. And we always say our best days are the ones where we just didn't have time for screens. Yeah. Bedtime is here and we just, we didn't have time. So, you know, um, and I like how you even say, I like your wording. You say you empower parents. I love this (laughs) to say yes to waiting for the smartphone (laughs) (laughs) not to say no to smartphones but to say yes to waiting and I I think that I think that framing it that way is a great thing what are we saying yes to we're saying yes to life we're saying yes you know to music we're saying yes to relationships um you know we're saying yes to the outdoors Mm -hmm. and uh and so I love that um I, you know, when I, I used to be a teacher and um, and before I taught in the schools, I taught swim lessons. I, and I even remember at that age of my life coming in and saying, what we did yesterday didn't work. So we're yes. changing, you know, that didn't work. And so I, yes. I like what you say about, you know, we've never we've never crossed a bridge and can't go back. You know, we can always say, you know what, that didn't work for our family. It wasn't what I expected. Um, You know, these things popped up that I, you know, we didn't really realize. And so we're going to try something else. And it doesn't mean no forever. It just means that we're waiting. Uh, Let's talk about social media.
1: What's that?
0: Social media. Social
1: media. Yes. Uh, This is a big one. This is a big one. And it's one I'm passionate about as well. I don't believe children in elementary school and middle school should be on social media, period. And there are so many kids within these age brackets that are on social media, and it wasn't made for them, and they're not prepared to deal with it. And it's such um, a time distraction as well. So at Wait Till 8th, we really encourage parents to hold off on social media until 16, which sounds so countercultural, but I do think it makes a big difference if you hold off until 16. And if you look at the age recommendations of the most popular social media apps, whether it's TikTok, Snapchat, or Instagram, people like Common Sense Media and Protect Young Eyes, they're saying that those apps are for 15, 16 plus, but the general public, most kids in you know, middle school are on Instagram and they're on TikTok and they're on Snapchat and there's just so many different ways that this can pose challenges for your kids. Um, socially, um, ment- like mentally, like if you look at the stats over the years since social media has been introduced, um, anxiety is at an all-time high, depression's at an all-time high, suicide rates um, are at an all-time high, especially for girls between the ages of 10 and 14. All of this time on social media is having a major toll on our kids And it's not good for them. And as hard as it is to be the parent that says no social media, we have to say no on this, I think, um, for our kids' mental health, um, for their well-being. Um, I don't think they're going to look back years from now and say, I wish I was on social media earlier. I just don't think they will. I think they'll be thankful for years without it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My midwife has always said, someday our kids are going to grow up and say Why didn't you limit? Yes. And I, you know, I think that she's right. What, what is, what does, is social media, you know, cause it's, it's such an interesting phenomenon, Brooke, to like, and I guess this is how parenting always is, to really have no insight as to how it really is for our kids, right? Cause we didn't grow up this way. Yeah. But I remember being, I remember being really stressed out in middle school about social relationships. And, you know, you have a group of three girls and two always getting up on one. And sometimes you're in the group and sometimes you're not in the group. I just, I remember you know, having a lot of experiences, a lot of stress, is yeah. it that then that's following them home? Um, is it, is it increasing the pressure? Like, or is is it making them feel dissatisfied with their life? Like, wh- do you know, like, wh- mm-hmm. what exactly is, is making them have anxiety and depression and, and that a, a sort yeah. of thing?
1: I think it's all above what you mentioned. It's that they're always on, they're always um, performing. They're always worried about how they're measuring up against their peers. And then they're also seeing this constant highlight reel of everything they haven't been included in. Every sleepover that they weren't invited to, every birthday party that they weren't included in. Um The ex-boyfriend that they wish they were still with and now he's with somebody else. They're seeing images of this over and over and not even just regular images, images that have been altered and doctored in so many different ways through different apps and filters. Um, It's causing how girls in particular view themselves, how they view their bodies, because they're seeing this distorted reality of people posting photo after photo that's not real, that's been that's been altered through apps like Facetune that have, you know, trimmed their jawline or changed their eye color or made their lips fuller or what have you, it's not reality. And so our kids are constantly spending time consuming this for hours. And what research shows is that it's not good for them. And even what Facebook itself knows, the company that has that owns Instagram, they have internal research that was released. Um several months ago, that shows that we know that this is toxic for girls. We know that one in three girls after they're on Instagram, feel worse about themselves. and there's a certain percentage that have suicidal thoughts after being on it. So it's not a good place, especially for our girls. They're just not in a spot of life where they can handle what is going on in social media. Um, So I really encourage parents to hold off on these apps. Um, It's interesting because so many parents say, well, we don't want our kid to feel left out by not being on it. But then by being on it, they're they're constantly being shown how they're being left out.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. I just, um, uh, not that long ago, I was able to get together with some of my like elementary middle school friends. Mm -hmm. And we all went out to dinner and and they were talking about all these different parties (laughs) that they had gone to. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't there. I don't remember that one. And I don't totally know if I just if I didn't get invited or maybe if I didn't even ask because I thought maybe my parents would say no or I'm not totally sure. But but what a thing to think about you know, I didn't really know it was going on. And Mm -hmm. but had I had this phone, and then you can see everyone's doing these things, and you're not there, that would be devastating.
1: Yes. And then you may be having a perfectly great night at home with your family watching a movie, and then you scroll and you see that five of your friends are together. And it takes away from what you're experiencing then as well. It just Wow. It's just a negative experience in so many different ways. And it's hard for even adults to really handle it. And so why would yeah, we I feel next? that way too? You know, <laughs> a twelve year old girl to be able to navigate this. Like yeah. we have a hard time with it sometimes, you know. yeah, so. yeah I mean I'm
0: cautious about what I post sometimes because you don't you don't want to have people feel left out. Yes. You know, but but maybe an eleven year old wouldn't feel that same um you know, sense of responsibility for the feelings of others. They just post what they're doing um, not knowing yes. who's going to see it and who's going to be crushed that they didn't get invited. Um, yeah. So 16, I actually have heard some different parents say they wait between 16 and 18 for social media, yes. even if the kid already has a phone, Um, Mm -hmm. They're not doing the social media until then. Can we talk about some of the um, tough parenting challenges, uh, like inappropriate content, like pornography, um, like the pressure to send nude photos? Uh, What what advice do you have for parents in those situations?
1: So I would say the best defense in all of those topics is having good conversations with your kids about it i think there's this myth out there if we don't talk about it it's not going to happen and that is just not a good way to prepare our kids from what they not if they were kind of they're going to encounter this stuff and so we want to talk early and often about what is out there and what to do when you encounter it and you have to have those conversations at home. You have to be the authority. You cannot let Google take care of this or Siri. Like You have to have the conversations with your children. And that starts off with basic stuff first. Like what is sex? I know so many families that hand over a smartphone and they never told their kids anything about sex. And so that is a recipe for kids to go on some wild goose chase, looking up all kinds of stuff. And um, so you have to have that conversation early um, I told each of my girls, we had a conversation about what sex was before elementary school started, which sounds so early, but it's necessary. And there's some great resources out there. Um, there's one book called uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Um, and it talks about how to talk to your kids about pornography. And you can read it with them. And it tells them what to do if they encounter inappropriate content, You know, put it down, get an adult. Um, Never shame a child for seeing it. I think it's just important to to start talking to your kids early and to bring it up and to let them know that it's out there Um, and to, it's not like a one and done conversation either. You have to revisit it quite frequently. Um, And it'll pop up in such strange ways. I was talking to a father um, a few weeks ago and he was saying that, they were driving home from a game and I guess what his son had asked, you know, why does everybody think 69 is such a funny number? Like wh- what's the deal with 69? And the dad was just kind of tired. He's like, Oh, I don't know. He didn't really want to address it at the moment, but then he kind of gave it a, a few minutes of thought. He's like, I better talk to him about it. Otherwise he's going to look it up. What, what is 69? Right. Right. And you can just see like all, right. just imagine all the imagery that would pop up But just right. you know, what, what does 69 mean? And so our kids are curious They're going to ask questions and we just need to not, um, cower and be afraid of the awkward. We need to embrace that and talk to them about anything and everything. Uh, I talk to my kids so much that sometimes they're like, mom, like not another pep talk. We're not going to talk about this again. Why do you want to talk about all this weird stuff all the time? But I think that they know that nothing they bring up to me will shock me or will, um, I'll be surprised that they brought it to me in any way. They know that they can come to me and ask me these awkward questions. Cause we've talked about it throughout the years.
0: Yeah. Um, We had that Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book, too, and I think it's fantastic. A couple of things that were in there that I wasn't expecting or that I learned, you know, they talk about if you encounter pornography, you just walk away. You know, you don't try and close your browser. You don't try and go off it because other things are going to be popping up, you know, and you go tell an adult, um, you know, or they, I think they talked in there about not looking at other people's phones, which I think... um, Is something that I hadn't thought to say to our kids, um, yes. you know, but that's, that's um, something that we have going on in our family, which is, you know, we don't want you looking at other people's phones because you don't know, you yeah. know, what, what, what they're going to have on theirs. And, um, and I agree, it does pop up in, in odd ways. Like I know someone was watching Disney princess videos and then, yes. you know, down the side, you know, there's these other things that pop up. And so you just don't know where it's going to, where it's going to be. And so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, eating better is easy with factors delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto dot factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74 go to goodchap.com/outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes that's code outside120 at goodchap.com/outside120 for $120 off goodchap.com/outside120 code outside120 if the pandemic has changed screen time Um, people are having to use it for school and, um, you know, it's just been a lot, I think of extra stress in families, um, you know, where you're trying to work, you got your kids there, um, the kids are home more than maybe they would have been before. Uh, what are your, what are your tips to help just moderating screen time in general?
1: So I think a lot of small boundaries add up to make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So you know, just simple things as far as let's keep devices out of bedrooms let's have devices checked in by a certain time of the day um one thing that all experts agree on is that your kids and you should not sleep with your devices that it it makes a huge toll on how we're sleeping kids are w- waking up in the middle of the night because they're worried about missing certain snaps or something on social media or text what have you so Keep the devices out of the bedroom, um, designate a time during the day where you're going to unplug as a family. You're going to put everything away. Um, I also, like to say out of sight, out of mind. If your phone is on the counter, then you're going to be more tempted to check what's going on in your text or your email. So if you have a cabinet or a drawer, you can put devices in when you're not using it. That makes a big difference. Um, there's a few tips from a book called TechWise Parenting uh, by Andy Crouch. and he just likes got to that book. Time. Okay. So you like to say car time is conversation time, which I love. So if you're just on short trips around the um, town versus doing a road trip, you know, no devices out for that. We're just going to talk or look out the window Um, no devices out at mealtime. So all these small things don't sound that big um, in itself, but when you string them together, they make a difference. Yeah. Um, another key one too is never to leave a house, um, the house without a book for you and your kids, yeah. because I think our default mode often when we're waiting on the pediatrician or the dentist is okay. Let me check my email. Let me check my text. But if our default mode is okay, when we have a few minutes, we can either talk or be bored or we can read a book. That those are some good options. Um, and so it's just getting your family in the habit of always carrying a book or a magazine um, with you wherever you're going. Mm-hmm.
0: Brooke, you just, it's, I'm really impressed, you know, um, since I've seen the wait until eighth, it's, it's, um. You have just gone so far above and beyond it. This is; These are so many good tips and tricks and, and bits of wisdom. And I love how you say that the small things, they do add up, you know, because yeah. if you don't have phones out at mealtime and they get turned in at, you have a check-in yeah. time and you don't yeah. have them at night, you know, and you don't have them in the car. And, you know, so then you really are infusing your life um, with that. I think, I think some kids don't even – have a good sense of how good real life can be,
1: you know, and that's
0: sort of our, our part, our point, which is like, you know, you want to make sure that they've had these times where they've really loved living um, and that that's a big draw for them. Um, So you, I mean, you have so many resources you've, you've mentioned a lot of them. Do you have any other ones um, that come to top of mind that are good resources for parents?
1: Definitely check out our website. We have some great resources there. Um, It's just waituntilage.org. And then also we love Common Sense Media. We love Protect Young Eyes. Um, Also on our website, we have several books listed. If you're interested, a great way to start a conversation if you're not sure of kind of where their parents line up in your community is to try to gather a group of parents and either read an article together or a book together and talk about it. I think that's a great way to get the conversation going. Um, And we have some great recommendations on our website on there as well.
0: Oh, I love books. So I'm excited to look through that. I have, I've read a couple of really good ones Disconnected, Glow mm-hmm. Kids. We just got Tech Wise Family. So um, I think that what's neat is that it's, it's happened so fast, but also yeah. um, there's organizations like yours that have popped up at the right time, yes. um, right on the forefront of it. Um, and, and then you just offer so much to parents and to families. You're also on, um, instagram and facebook and um and uh you have great content there too i know Mm -hmm. we're talking about social media not being good for kids but um you know here and there i think you can find some really
1: positive
0: consistent things for parenting um so like your latest instagram post which i thought was really fascinating was advice um it's like advice from a parent of an adult gaming addict yeah um and it was like she had like 10 pieces of advice. And it was like, I wish I would have just said no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when it was really hard, I actually want to read it real quick because I thought it was worded okay. really well. Um, she said, This is actually, this kind of took me back. She said, It was so, so easy to hand my son a device so that I could take care of other things. But trust mm-hmm. me when I say that this is not without future consequence.
1: Yes, that's powerful. It's very powerful, and
0: I think that thats something we all relate to. Yeah, you know, I think we're all we all burdened and have a lot to do, and and yes. so. Um,
1: and we do try to share a lot of great tips and you know stories like that on our Instagram feed. And what we've heard from other parents who who follow us is that it just gives them. The motivation and the courage to keep on going to keep staying the course like there's been several emails that i've received like we were about to cave on this and then we we read this on your account and it just gave us the motivation to yeah. keep doing what we're doing keep delaying and keep you know cultivating life offline versus caving to letting our kids be online all the time so i think it does yeah. help. It makes you just feel like you're not the only one. Because I think sometimes we do feel that way. Like, I'm the only one saying no. I'm the only one that is not allowing this video game or this. And when you're part of our community, it's empowering to know that you're not the only one. There are 40,000 plus other parents out there that are on board. And they're going through the same challenges. And you're hearing about that through the stories that we share. Yes.
0: And 40,000 plus parents means, you know, more kid. There's a lot of kids too, because if sure. a family has, you know, one or two or three kids, yeah. you're talking about a lot of kids that are waiting. You know, I I think that you have to have that encouragement consistently because the tech companies and the, the sort of marketing machine, they're constantly working, yes. you know, so it, it can't be a one and done Um, because you're up against a lot. So you, and you have something, you have some stuff on your website about, um, the dangers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, parents, what I have found with 1000 hours outside (laughs) is that parents don't like to talk about this so much. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: I <laughs> uh, love that you like to dive into it yes I think uh, you have to like, uh, yes I think there's a tendency to like if I just stick my ha- my head in the sand then it's not going on I just don't, don't want to pay attention yeah. to it
0: they don't want to be anti-tech and and I think it's not anti-tech it's just it's just knowing what's going on but so so since you're here yes <laughs> I would love to kind of walk through a couple of these so are they addictive
1: Absolutely. I think if you look at any of the research or you talk to anybody that actually works in technology, they would say absolutely. They are designed to be addictive. They actually model how they create these devices similarly to the tactics of what people do in Vegas to keep people in casinos. They have, you know, hundreds of thousands of engineers in Silicon Valley that are looking at ways to keep our kids and us on these devices longer and longer because that's how they make their money. They make it on advertising. So the longer you're on Instagram or Snapchat or YouTube, they are profiting from your attention and your time. And so it's, it's definitely addictive. And we have to be on guard about that. And our kids are more susceptible because their brain is still, still developing. So um, we do need to, to realize the addictive nature of these devices. And another organization that I haven't mentioned yet is called Center for Humane Technology. And the person that started that, his name is Tristan Harris, and he used to work for Google. And he came out um, years ago, and he talked about the addictive nature of these um, devices and platforms. And he basically had said that, like, we, as technologists, we need to, to do a better job and how we're designing products so they are not addictive. And he talks a lot about time well spent and how to manage um, these devices. And there's some great, there's even a youth toolkit on that website to talk to kids about how it to explain to them why certain apps and platforms are addictive and how you can be on guard on that um, in regards to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's interesting because I've been reading a lot lately about uh, the marketing machine as it relates to kids. Mm-hmm. And so you know they're trying to get brand loyalty at one, two, three. So you could see how that all works together. you know the more time oh, that yeah. kids are on the devices, then the more time these companies have um, mm-hmm. to try and, and win their business and and become a lifelong customer, um, okay are they are they in academic distraction?
1: They are. So if you look at research, again, there's one study out of the University of Texas that basically said, if, even if the phone is off and turned, you know, down on your desk, that it's essentially a brain drain, that one wow. cannot focus as well, when the phone is present, that it's just a distraction, you're constantly wondering, hey, what's going online, what's going on my email, what's going on text, what's going on the social media, and you cannot focus at the task at hand. Um, we also know that when phones are present at school, that grades um, suffer, and that also cyberbullying goes up, just having them present at school. So they are an academic distraction. I think if you talk to any parent who's trying to get their kid to do hours of homework and they have their phone out, they will absolutely agree that they are a distraction because they're constantly getting dinged and notified, and it's, it's hard to focus on the task at hand with the phone out.
0: Mm-hmm. This is one that no one likes to talk about. Are they altering our
1: brains? Yes. So if you look at a study that came out of the National Institute of Health and may have been a couple of years ago, they looked at the brain scans, MRI scans of um, kids, some kids that didn't spend that much time on screens and those that spent a lot of time on screens. And the actual brain scans, these images look different. Like that physical makeup of their brain looks different for the kid that spends hours and hours on screens, which is absolutely fascinating that this is happening and and absolutely concerning that these brains that are still developing, that are not fully formed, they're getting essentially rewired because of all this time on screens. Um, It definitely gives me pause (laughs) as a parent um, because that's something you can't change. Right. 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 Yeah. And and the
0: other ones that are in this list, and this is from your website, waituntil8th.org. You've talked about impairing sleep. You've talked about, well, we didn't talk much about interfering with relationships. Um, the eye contact. Yes. Um, well, I mean, and really, like you said, if everyone is walking out of the middle school and everyone is on the phone, that's yeah. interfering with relationships. And if you're feeling jealous or you're feeling uninvited, that's interfering with relationships. I think there's probably a lot of ways that phones are interfering with. Yes. um, Deep. Yes. I think it it interferes with the
1: parent child relationship a lot. I think it also interferes with the peer to peer relationship. And my, my girls have experienced that because they've had friends get phones over the years and they have had, you know, a handful of friends where it, it really changes who they are. And there was this one girl that my oldest was friends with and she was so lively, had so much personality and when she got that phone, it just changed her. She, I mean, it just made her completely tune out what was going on around her. Um, and it was, and it was sad. It's sad to see that this yeah. device can make such a big change on a personality of a child and interfere with how they're interacting with other children.
0: Yeah um we talked about increased risk for anxiety and depression we talked about um cyberbullying and then we talked about sexual content i think what's interesting on your website is you as you say they're viewing it but they're also creating it um which uh which is a piece that maybe now parents are realizing i think you know back when i was teaching they you know they just had no clue um that the kids are actually creating the content not just viewing it and and so young so um yeah, I think it's good to know the dangers and to be reminded of the dangers because um, because we're up against a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, Brooke, I mean, this is – I think in some ways, you know, we have this similar thing going on. It's a mm-hmm. very um, straightforward concept, right? Wait until mm-hmm. 8th. Wait. Yeah. Don't give social media till 16th. But it's not easy, right? Mine is the same thing. Eh, go outside. You know, yeah. it's going to help in a lot of ways you know, be intentional about it, but it's not an easy thing necessarily to implement. And so um, I just want to thank you for all of these amazing resources that you have um, just compiled for families and that are so easily accessible for them through your website and through your different social media um, channels. So just once again, can you just talk through where people can find you?
1: Absolutely. So you can go to our website um, and waituntil8th.org. And then you can also find us on Instagram at Wait Until Eight. And on Facebook, at wait until eight. Mm -hmm.
0: And then when you go to the website, it's real easy to hit that. Take the pledge Um, it pops up. It's easy to find Mm -hmm. um, so that parents can find like-minded families within the right in their geographical location. And that's fantastic. Uh, Brooke, we always end our podcast with the same question about Mm -hmm. uh, about loving life. Um, What's a favorite outdoor memory of yours uh, from when you were a child?
1: When I was a child, it had to probably be a trip that I took with my family and we went to the Grand Canyon and did some amazing hikes around there. And just, I remember seeing just the beauty of the Grand Canyon and just being in awe. And it's just one of those memories that's so crystal clear, still in my mind, even though that was so many years ago. Um, And I actually took my girls back there a couple of years ago and it was so neat to see it through their eyes as well. So I, I love national parks. I love and um, being outside, being with my kids, and my fondest memories as a child were outdoors, experiencing the amazing national parks that we have here. So.
0: I didn't, we went to the Grand Canyon for the first time uh, within the last couple of years and I, I didn't realize how big it would be. I thought it would be like one hole in the ground, you know, it just goes forever. I was like, oh, I get why they call it the Grand Canyon. It's so huge. Well, Brooke, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And I know that parents are going to find so much helpful information um, at your site, from this podcast and, and from all the things that you're doing, really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me on and thank you for all that you're doing and encouraging families to get outside and enjoy nature.